0: He kind of
1: took it, I mean he wasn't really singing too much in practice. So that we can have eternal life. Lord, you're saved. Thank you for your life, In Jesus' name.
0: Find somebody you haven't talked to this morning and let them know that Jesus is good, God is good. You may be seated. As we continue singing this morning, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Let's sing together. Rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory with just your voices. Sing that chorus again when we all. I am mine, O no Lord. I have heard.
1: May you bless this time.
2: May you listen.
3: Good morning to all of you. This is the last Sunday morning that we get to say good morning to the Slatterets, and I would love for Tom and Libby to come down here. This is their last Sunday before they move off to the Hill Country. You guys make your way down here wherever you guys are. Tom's back there in the the sound booth. Tom is always I meet him on Sunday mornings. He says thank you for coming to work. And he has uh, been a faithful participant back there in the AV crew uh, for a number of years. How many would you guess, Tom? How many years do you think you've been working
1: back here? Uh, we need all the posters on right now, so they shouldn't yeah. be catching yeah. Okay. i unplugged this, up. so I don't know what they're gonna it, do. It's a talk back, mic to talk oh, to the sound good. booth. Uh, and so they're mad? they so. mm-hmm. uh, okay. And they have one in the sound booth that they can talk to you in here. But we're not worried about that
3: right now. Okay. we want to. You know, some of you. The level maybe you want
1: to focus on when we're doing, we're only going to do this one more week. But is that it's getting right at the top of the green and the lower yellow. So the music, if that's right in that area, you you're in pretty good shape. So Raymond's hitting there, too, so it's it should be good. But when we're doing music, that's kind of the, the what
3: you focus on. But when we, when we do it, um,
1: when we get the, the a10 back, which we're, I think it's this week we get the back, um,
3: we're getting it back, we're going to have to uh,
1: maybe take a listen, I think, through one of the services, either Facebook or YouTube, and just see. I don't know that we have any levels that we can see on there. But do you know why they can hear us, or mm-hmm. do you know why they can hear us?
3: Mm-hmm. Something. Yes. Did you not see my text?
1: Mm-hmm. Something is picking us up in the live stream. They can hear us talking here, and I don't know why.
3: Since he was about
1: 10. Is that talk? about so that's
3: like, like what seven years ago, and. When they no, I've pulled everything down, but what so I'm we're actually using controllers on right that. Yeah. Do you, you see one that says talk back? back? No. And uh, so once we get everybody yeah. up here, we'll have to go ahead and do that. do we have a microphone for you?
1: No, I don't. Hmm. Okay, that's why you unplugged it then, okay? All right, yeah. we'll have to figure that out. Yeah, I have um, no idea. I think about to talk, but I don't know. Do you know what mic they're about to use? The, uh, the announcement. Well, not, not Unmute it. it. Yeah. You got to do this. Oh, I am. easier not to uh, but uh, plowing forward and a setting that's the announcement like like I've done it all, all, all others promised would be realized I'll put that uh, one on three. three and so we thank you that uh, they have followed you we thank you how could we not thank you for them without thanking you for Mary and Charles and Bill and Peggy uh, that have formed them into the man and woman that they are today is just a foundation here at Westgate also both companies and we thank you for those families we thank you for this heritage we thank you for their kids that are going forward uh, faithfulness uh, to love you and follow you and walk with you and we just pray that that by generations that uh, faithfulness will continue in this family Uh, we lift up the the community of believers that they will go to join. we pray that they'd be received with Christian fellowship with Christian love and that they would find uh, I avenues of ministry that, I there that out. Uh, to uh, See if I encourage faithfulness out. In, in all believers uh, in that community of faith we pray their plans would be realized father and as much as it's in the direct line with your will for their lives uh, and father if it's not your will that they stay out there so far from us uh, that you would bring them back and we will receive them father and forgive them <laughs> We thank you for your goodness and kindness to them and your goodness and kindness to us through them. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: amen.
3: Thank you for your, your teaching on prayer there. I'll say goodbye to you after a while. But you guys stand in the atrium after the service so people can hug your neck and tell you guys goodbye. Thank you for your and while you guys are making your way back, this is Graham Entrican's first Sunday here, right? Catherine's standing over here. Catherine and Matt, little Graham, congratulations to you guys. First time in the sanctuary. So. And if you are having it, baby, please let us know because we want to recognize you the first time you're in the sanctuary here, or one of the first times, we don't always get that right. We're so proud for you guys. Uh, also, just a reminder, we are in need of volunteers in a number of areas in the church. One of them is, as you see there, Tom is going back and to the AV group who worked for the very last time, something that replace him, plus we need many other uh, volunteers. Our, our capacity has expanded uh, since COVID because we are now not only having to manage what happens in this room, but we have to manage what is going out online, which is another room in another building, studio over there that manages what is being heard by people. Uh, We have a number of uh, vacancies that we need. And and so, again, like Tom, you may not have a great passion for that, but if you are willing to serve, uh, you can be trained. And some of you do have a passion. You You want our church to look great out there. You want our church to look good online. You want people to be able to connect with us. COVID has changed so much of the way church is. We will never move away from gathering because the scripture reminds us of that. But we are also having to deal with the reality that many people are connecting in different ways than they did before. It used to be the only way you could connect is if you were here in person. still believe that's the best way, always will be. But we want to help other people connect, especially as they connect with God. And so we need help there. Uh, we have <coughs> a number of needs in our kids' ministry. And the reason I'm taking time to talk about this is we desperately need people uh, to step forward. <clears throat> and I say desperate, that's kind of a bad word. We really do. But that's the way the church is supposed to be run, as people using their spiritual gifts, servanthood, ministry, preparing the next generation uh, to understand who God is. Right now, as we all know, the generations that are following after us are not tracking towards God. The most recent statistic that I read Uh, was recently just kind of astounding to me because you hear a number of people uh, be church attendance not only in our church but in many churches around the country church attendance church attendance has dropped 50 percent in the last 20 years 50 percent in the last 20 years in America so if we continue to do that we'll have a whole generation that won't even know what it is uh, to be a part of the church so we want to train our kids uh, Janet is going to be back at the Connection uh, Center after the service. And if you know, hope all of you know that Janet, our children's minister, should be back there and you can sign up to help out in any number of capacities. So anyway, thanks for doing that. Uh, thank you, Jeff, for doing such a masterful job last week. You know, the importance of online and the recording is I was able to uh, participate in the service that was taking place last week and Jeff did a masterful job of talking about just what it means in from John chapter 14, I appreciate his perspective on that and the way that he presented that as we continue to this series on mandates, talking about what God wants us uh, to do with our lives, and that is to obey him, teaching people to obey everything that he has commanded us. The reason that we talk about that is because we believe, I hope you believe this, that everybody, everyone is better off if we obey Jesus, and just let's take a moment to pause on that. Would you rather your neighbor obey the devil or obey Jesus? Well, it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, you say, well, he already is obeying the devil. You would prefer for all of your neighbors to be what? Obeying the Lord rather than the devil. And when everyone is obeying Jesus, the world is a lot better place. The only way that we can obey Jesus is becoming more informed and knowledgeable about what he has commanded us to do. And we've seen that through these mandates, these two categories of loving God and loving others and following the process of denying ourselves so that we can follow after Christ. And as we think about these commandments, it's easy to get a little bit stressed out about it, like we're not doing enough, we need to be doing more. And and I pray for all of us that we would take comfort that God has given us these commands as a roadmap for our life to a better way of living if we follow after Christ our life will be better and we will become better at life today we're going to take a little bit of a, an unusual turn we've heard about do not fear do not fear and do not fear all throughout the Bible right there are hundreds of passages do not fear do not be afraid do not be scared but you know that God has commanded us to fear You have been commanded to fear. Isn't that good news for those of you that are fearful? What are we to fear? In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus said, Fear God. Look at this passage of Scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 10. It says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And Jesus was referring back to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 13, and I love the way that that's translated in the 1996 translation of the New Living Translation. Do not fear anything except the Lord Almighty. He alone is the Holy One. If you fear Him, you need fear nothing else. Oswald Chambers said it very similarly. The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Fear God. So what does that mean? You say, okay, you told us to fear God. Bible says that. What does it mean to fear God? It is, it is, the, it is an experience of having reverence for God, of putting God in his proper place, to look at God as the Almighty Holy One, just as it says in Isaiah 8:13, He alone is the Holy One. Look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. This is the beginning of the Ten Commandments. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And then the next three commands talk about our relationship God. With God, of keeping Him holy, is revering Him, acknowledging Him as who He is. Jesus began the, the model prayer. When you think of it as the Lord's Prayer, but in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, He said, This then is how you should pray Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Revered, sacred, held in the highest esteem. That's what it means to fear God. Do we need that? We live in days of insanity, don't we? You think about the days in which we live. We've been told that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Yet in the same culture, we have a subculture called the cancel culture. How can you say something is wrong when you said there's no absolute truth? What great insanity we live in. So how do we live in such crazy times for Proverbs chapter one? verse 7 opens the book of Proverbs Solomon saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and in chapter uh, 10 uh, verse in chapter I've got the wrong verse later on in the book of Proverbs 9-10 I believe the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom so here's Solomon saying you live in a crazy time Your pastor can't even get the right verse. It's so mixed up out there. So, you need to fear the Lord because that's the beginning of knowledge and it's the beginning of wisdom. That's what we need in this culture of insanity. So, knowing that, that we've been commanded to fear God, we understand somewhat of what fearing God looks like. We're now going to talk about the fact that fearing God does two things for us. It protects us and it prepares us. If you want to jot those down, just in your mind, you can remember that. That when we fear God, it protects us and it prepares us. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 to 33. you have your Bible. I'd love for you to follow along. This is a section of Scripture, as you're turning there, in which Jesus specifically focuses on discipleship with a key emphasis about our identity in Christ. He is sending out the 12 disciples. They're going out into the world to be his messengers. This isn't the end of his ministry. This is a part of his ministry. It's a training part. And he's saying this is what discipleship is supposed to be. We're not going to read all of that. But then he says in the midst of this, I am preparing you and I am protecting you. Listen to what it says beginning in verse 26. So don't be afraid of it, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known meaning that God knows everything that everything will ultimately be made right is what Jesus is saying what I tell you in the dark speak in the daylight what is whispered in your ear your ear proclaimed from the roof do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul because you see they're going out he says you're going out like sheep among wolves you're going out in a very hostile environment that is not interested in listening to me Remember when Jesus came into the world, he said that he he was the light that came into the darkness. He said, you are going out into the darkness, and you will be resisted. And so you will be fearful of those. And he said, but don't be afraid of those who can destroy your body. But be fearful of the one. Be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He's speaking of God. Again, back to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 13 be afraid of God. And listen to the encouragement that we have. This is not a vindictive God that is out there that is just looking for us to make a mistake. Some of us have a picture of God like that in our mind, don't we? We feel like he's always looking for us to just get too close and boom, he's got us. Listen to how much God loves you. It says in verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny. That's a great translation for us. The, the type of coinage that they're talking about was one-sixteenth of a day's wage it wasn't much at all and you could buy two sparrows, they're the cheapest thing on the market but he said yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care God is watching over even the sparrow continues on, even the very heads of your hair are all numbered. over a hundred thousand hairs on our heads on average And he knows every one of them. They're all numbered. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of them. You're worth far more than many spirits. Whoever acknowledges acknowledges me before others, what you're about to do going out there, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. So in the context there, Jesus is talking about discipleship and he says... Part of discipleship is fearing God. We've read that. We've heard that. But do we practice that? Let me try to net out an example. An example would be of a teenager, a rebellious teenager, who fears the rejection of friends more than fearing authority. And because of that, ends up with consequences they never would have imagined oftentimes they end up in jail and what happens when you end up in jail is your friends don't come to visit you I've been to jail many many times because friends didn't come to visit after everything on Wow we all know somebody like that those of you that are going through our our men's study a Christian man by Patrick Warner you read his testimony about how he was like that as a teenager, very rebellious. But you know, you don't have to be a teenager to end up with that kind of experience. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, it tells us that Saul was given a mandate by God to go out and destroy the Amalekites who were rebellious against God. But Saul didn't do that. And we read in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24, as he responds to Samuel, and explains his disobedience to God, he made this statement. I was afraid of the people, and so I gave in to them. Do you remember what it cost Saul? It cost him his kingdom, and it cost him his life. So when we're talking about fearing God, we're looking at something that will protect us, and it will prepare us for the best kind of life that we could live. So let's look at a couple of things, just quickly. Is said, fearing God, fearing God now, not waiting to fear God later, because everyone will fear God ultimately. We will all stand before God at some point, and everybody will have fear for God. But if we fear God now in this life, in this time, it protects us, number one, by guiding us. We go back to Exodus chapter 20, verse 20, where in the midst of this statement about the Ten Commandments, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Don't you want to be guided away from sin? Most of the time, right? Except when temptation looks really nice, you say, well, you know, I kind of like to do this just once. But you know, it says that when we fear God, that the fear of God will guide us away from sin. And we would all believe that we would be better off if we are guided away from sin. Think about some of the people that we have as examples of that. Abraham. Abraham was guided by his fear of God. That's why he left what he knew and he went to a foreign land. That's why he went up Mount Moriah and was willing to sacrifice his son because he feared God more than anything else. We, We think about the exodus. The fact that they were guided through the wilderness. They're walking out in the desert and God is guiding them each step of the way. The fear of God does that. And we know from the Exodus that every time they quit fearing God, they got off track. But think about Jesus. Jesus was guided by the fear of God. That's why he stood up to Satan each time in Matthew chapter 4 in the Temptations. And he quoted Scripture. And he said, I fear my heavenly father more than I fear you. We think about Paul and all of the times. I I love some of the stories that we're reading in the book of Acts right now as we're reading through the Bible. You know, you just couldn't stop Paul, right? I mean, even when they stoned him, he would get up, walk back in, and keep on going. God, the fear of God, protects us by guiding us away from sin. If you've ever tried to follow the North Star, you look up. I remember the first time I found the North Star. Didn't you think the same thing I thought? The North Star must be the brightest star in all the sky. Anybody else think that? Okay, well some of you read the books in school. I didn't. It's not the brightest star in the sky. In fact, it's a little bit hard to find, but it's the most reliable. Fear of God works the same way. It, all, it won't always be the most obvious, but it's the most reliable. Fearing God now protects us by guiding us away from sin, into the ways of God, into holiness, and fearing God now protects us by empowering us. Do you ever feel like you wish you had more power, more authority? you ever get on one of those phone calls in which you're trying to get something vindicated, something right, and you say, can I speak to your supervisor? And they say, I am the supervisor. You want more power, right? And here is God's Word saying that we are empowered by our fear for God. Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For the, the Spirit of God has not given us a spirit of timidity, of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control, self-discipline. Think of the power that is there. Power, love, self-control. Again, we go back and we think about some of the people from history. We think about Noah, the power that he had to build this enormous boat and take on this Just an unfathomable project to build an ark and bring all the animals and go through the flood. Think about Moses, who's standing out in the wilderness, looking over his life as an 80-year-old, feeling as if he had failed in everything he'd ever attempted. God calls him to go and bring over 2 million people out of Egypt from the most powerful man on the face of the earth. Think about David, a young teenager, standing up against the mighty gladiator. Goliath. He was empowered because he feared God more than he feared the giant. Think of Jesus and the apostles doing the exact same thing which they were motivated by, their fear for God, and they were empowered by that. Is there any greater power than our Savior hanging from the cross and forgiving those who nailed him there and refusing to sin as he laid down his life and then demonstrating the power of who he is by being resurrected back. Fearing God will protect us, friends, and it will empower us and guide us in the way that we ultimately want to go, where we want to be when it's all said and done. The fearing God now prepares us for later. Look at Matthew chapter 10, the concluding part of what uh, Jesus is talking about is he's instructed his disciples to fear God. A commandment. We've been commanded to fear God, not to take him lightly. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. See, when we fear God now, it prepares us for later. What does it mean when Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before others? He's sending out his disciples to tell other people about Jesus, and he's saying, if you go out and you confess... That you believe me to be the Messiah and you have completely given your life to me. That's what it is to confess. It's to declare something that is true. Our authorities take confessions from people in which they are making a statement about this is what is true. Notice what it says in the passage. If you confess, if you allow the fear of God to protect you now, it will prepare you for later when you stand on the other side of this life, and we all will. Doesn't it seem so far away? It seems almost impossible, but one day we will all stand before our Creator. And we want to be prepared for that moment. We, we even have these wristbands that we've worn for a number of years that, to live for that moment when we stand before God. And to hear Jesus say, He's mine. She's mine. Some of you love that story oceans where my feet may fade. song ends with I am yours and you are mine. And that's what Jesus will ultimately say for those who fear God in this life. It prepares us for that moment. Can you imagine standing? I can't even imagine. I'd love for us to try some You're standing before holy God, fully aware of all of your sinfulness of who you are. For the first time in, in your existence, you understand the magnitude of your sins. It doesn't mean that you you don't somewhat grasp that here, but we just won't be able to get it until we're standing there. And there we are, and we just recognize we are hopeless without Christ. And Jesus says, He's mine. She's mine. Father, we don't have to do anything else. They're ours. But it sense of security. For those who disown, it's to say that Jesus has no value for me. Some of you like to watch Shark Tank. Some of you wish that you were on Shark Tank. Remember Kevin O'Leary Shark Tank? When he doesn't like your product or he's done with you, what does he say? You're dead to me. And that's the idea here that Jesus is talking about. We will all prove to be faithless at times in our lives. It's not to say that one time you, you messed up and so you're, you're lost for all eternity. We will all be faithless at some point. But it's to walk through this life to say, to God, you are dead to me. You're of no value to me, is what O'Leary is saying. I'm here to make money off of you and I can't make money off of you, so you're dead to me. You're of no value. That's what Jesus is talking about. For those who say that he is of no value in this life, he will say in the next life, this on you. You have no value to me. A number of other passages in Scripture, but uh, let's go to Revelation 20. Just, I, just to hear about the great white throne, just quickly, it says, I saw a great white throne, and the was seated upon it. The earth and the heavens fled from the presence. There was no place for to behind. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead. All that were in it, death, and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. The death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Christ is our only hope. Oh. 21st century, that doesn't play very well. To understand this, let me take you to a conversation that I had with Dr. Albert Reyes a number of years ago. Uh, we went to school together, and he ended up becoming the, the CEO of Butners. great, outstanding leader. You think about Calder Woods, he's, he's the CEO of everything Butner. And I was up in Dallas, and we had opportunity to visit for a little bit, and we were talking about just some issues that, that were related in life, personnel and that kind of stuff. And he said, I've had to fire more people in my life Than most people will ever fire in multiple lifetimes. I said, how in the world did you handle that? Because he's such a nice guy. I mean, it's amazing how nice he is. And he said, here's the way that I learned to fire people. He said, I would tell them that you have been telling us for a very long time that you don't want to work here. By your actions and your attitudes, you've been telling us you no longer want to work here. So today, we're going to let you do what you want. It's not like you're a cruddy person. We hate you. We dislike you. Just say, hey, this is what you've been asking for, so shame on us for not letting you do what you wanted a long time ago. That's what we just read about in Revelation chapter 20. Time will come where God will say to those who have no value for him, you told me all through your life that you didn't want to be with me, so I'm going to let you have what you say you want. That's the way it plays out. And so as we come to the end of this message, I I want us to come to the the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. You remember Solomon the Cynic writing about his experience, much of his experience of not obeying his Proverbs. And you get to the end of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. And this is really, I think this this is the meat of the whole book. Because he says, after everything that I have said, here is the conclusion of the matter. And much of Ecclesiastes is him basically just chasing after the wind. And he says, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's it. What is our duty, responsibility, what's going to get us to where we want to be? Fear God and keep his commandments is exactly what we have been talking about here. So how do you do that? In conclusion, how do you do that? I think you come to know and believe in God like David did. David was known as a man after God's own heart, even though he was known to fail miserably in several areas. But in Psalm chapter 8, if you want to turn there, I'm going to read this and just be reminded of what it means to think of God the way that David does. Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies, the silence, the foe, <clears throat> and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, who am I? And you are mindful of me. You have made man, you have made me a little lower than the angels, crowned me with glory and honor. You may be ruler of the works of your hands. You put everything under my feet. Flocks, birds, animals, birds, fish. Oh Lord, how majestic is your name now? I think we become too fixated on the concrete and the carpet. Two C's. We spend most of our life looking at the concrete and the carpet. Instead of looking up at the majesty of who God is, and David lived in a different time, in a different era, and he knew what it was to sit out on the hillside at night and look up at the expanse of the skies without a telescope. And he said, oh, God, who am I that you would be mindful of me after all this?" you? Maybe for all of us, that would be a great thing to do. Yes, read God's word. Yes, worship God. But friends, take your eyes off the carpet and the concrete and look up and see what God has done Encouragement, Psalm 147, 11 the Lord in those who fear. You. Take courage in that. And if you've not yet come to fear God as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that God loves you and He has created you to have an eternal relationship with Him. But because our propensity is to not fear God, because of our sinfulness, we don't fear God. And that separates us from God, and the only one who can bridge that chasm is Jesus Christ. Thankfully, Jesus can make us right with God. All we have to do is humbly repent of our sins and completely surrender our life to Jesus Christ. My question for you today is, have you done that? I hope you have. And I hope that you will take these next few moments of this worship service to celebrate your relationship with God. But if you've not, then I'm going to invite you to pray with me to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Lord, we recognize that possibly today someone has gathered with us either online or in this room that has never come to the understanding of what it means to fear you so much that we completely surrender our life to you. Lord, if anyone is in that predicament today, I pray that they would voice a prayer similar to this, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord. Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have, and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. What we love to hear those many times that you remind us to not carry fear in our hearts and we celebrate those passages. Yet may they not overshadow this overarching command that you have given us to fear you knowing that our lives will be better when we do and we will learn to walk in obedience to you and therein find the abundance that you offer to each and every one lord thank you for my church family oh how i love them i pray and speak and minister to them give them comfort where comfort is needed challenge them where they need to be challenged and lord help us to take our eyes off the carpet and the concrete You can see the expanse of who you are in our daily lives. In Christ's name we pray. Love y'all. Thanks for listening. If you feel like you need to make a decision, I'll be standing over by the cross. You can meet us at the Connection uh, Center after the service. You can fill out a communication card and bring that back to us there. Maybe you have something in your mind that you need to settle with God. Just know that there's many ways you can do that. As we stand together and we sing this final song as we close in worship. Let's stand together this time.